Today, some of you won't even know what I'm talking about, but I want to start off by saying this morning, today we are not living in Mayberry any longer. I don't know if we ever were, but today we are a long way from Mayberry. Be sure today in 2018, we are living in dark times. Look around today, it's easy to see we are living in very dark times, in wicked times. I want to tell you, if you're raising kids in these days, these are dangerous days. These are perilous days to be raising kids. That should scare us. That absolutely terrifies me. The majority of our kids now are raised in the absence at least of one of their parents. Most of the time, it's the dad. Marriage today is seen as an inconvenience, something that we should avoid. The home today is absolutely wrecked. I said it on Father's Day, but the the average age to see hardcore pornography is now down to the age of nine. Can you believe that? Nine years old to see hardcore pornography. Uh, Our kids with the phones that are in their hands, the technology they have available to them, they have in in front of them all sorts of traps and snares that are deliberately set to, to carry them off into darkness. Today, gender roles and human sexuality have been so distorted that I believe it is probably the most perverse time of any time period on the history of our earth. I I recently saw an article that a University of California Berkeley professor uh, produced a paper, a report, and and in that report, uh, the professor says that it is beneficial to expose kids today to touching by anyone of any age and the viewing of pornography as to not allow the building of a stigma attached to certain body parts. Can you believe that today? That's an actual report. I'll tell you, for adults today, it is not any better. Drug addiction, alcohol addiction are at all times high in our culture. Look at the the craziness that happened in our own town this week. Our culture today, we are driven by by all sorts of, of greed, and materialism and self-promotion, that's what motivates us today. We have a, a false idea of what success is. Our culture today is marked by gossip and slander and division and divisiveness and hatred. Common sense and common decency are things of the past today. Listen, I could go on and on and on, but friend, be sure we are living today in dark days. But listen to me. Hear me this morning. In these darkest of days, it is still the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the hope of mankind, and it is still the church that will be the means for the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Listen to what I said. In these dark days, these days where it seems to be hopeless, it is still the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the hope of mankind and it is still the church that will be the means of the spread of the gospel. Listen, it is still the church. It is still the church that is built upon the truth, the rock, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. That is the foundation of the church. It is still the church that is the pillar and the support of the truth. 1 Timothy three fifteen. It is the church that will uphold the Bible. It is the church that will uphold the truth. Listen, if the truth is going to be upheld, it's going to be the church that will have to do it. It is still the church. It is still the church where Christ 
who is exceedingly abundantly able to do more than we would ask or more that we would even think is to be glorified, it is in the church that Jesus is to be known and in knowing him that he would receive great glory. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 and 21. He's to be glorified in the church. It is still the church that has the commission from our Lord himself to go therefore to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, verse 19, that is the work of the church. Listen today, it is still the church. This morning, we're gonna begin a brand new sermon series, specifically, I believe, for these days. Specifically for us today as a people. And that sermon series is gonna be entitled, It is Still the Church. It is still the church. The church. We're going to look at Jesus' message to the seven churches found in Revelations chapter 1 through chapter 3. Those, those messages to those seven churches. And in doing so, our Lord Himself is going to instruct us in how we navigate these dark days. I believe this is a relevant series. I believe it's from Him Himself. How would we navigate these dark days as His church? Today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 1. Verses 9 through 20. Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. The title of our message today is A Letter of Reminder. A Letter of Reminder. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Chapter 1, beginning in the ninth verse, it says this. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet, saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in his strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last." and the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Therefore write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today. We're thankful for you. 
We're thankful for a gracious God, for a kind God. We're thankful for salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sin. Thankful for eternal life, given not of any work of our own, but in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Thankful for the truth of your word, Lord, and I pray for us as a church. I pray that in these weeks, in this series, that we would be instructed by our Lord, that we would be led by our King, that we as a church, that we would would rise up to the occasion and informed by the, the truth of God's word, led and empowered by the Spirit of God, following the head of the church, Jesus, that we would make a difference in these days. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this, encourage us in this, instruct us in this. And then I pray that in the influence of this message, in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if there's one here that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. In fact, I pray that in the influence of all that we would do as a church, in our, in our meetings, in our youth, in our, in our camp this week, that in the preaching and the telling and the teaching of the gospel that many would find Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. We submit this to you as an act of worship, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, let me start the series off today by saying, as I was thinking this week, we need several things in the church today, and I was just thinking the state of the church today as it exists, we need several things in the church today. And I'll just tell you, we need a bunch of re's in the church today. We need a bunch of re's in the church today. Let me explain what I'm meaning here. You know what we need today in the church? We need a revival in the church today. And we say that all the time. That's become kind of hollow. We, We really need a revival, a sweeping movement of God in our church today. We need a revival in the church today. We need a renewal in the church today. We need to see new life in the church. We need to see dead bones come alive. We need a a renewal to spring up in the church of Jesus Christ today. We need a resurgence in the church today. We need to see the end of stagnation. We need to see a, a renewed movement of God where we're moving out on the mission of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We need a resurgence of the church of Jesus Christ today. We need a resurgence today. And all of that goes back to this. I believe we need a returning today. We need a returning to the word of God in our church today. This is the word of God. This is our guide. This is our instruction book. It leads us to Jesus Christ. It leads us in righteous lives. This is our foundation. We need a returning to the word of God in the church today. We need a bunch of re's in the church today. And I believe that will come by way of a reminder. You see, you want to see a revival. You want to see a renewal. You want to see a resurgence and a returning to the word of God. It's going to come by way of reminder. You see, here's the truth. We have the orders already. We have the greatest leader ever. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We have our leader We have our purpose, the Great Commission. There's no surveying the community to see why we exist. We have the purpose of the church in the Great Commission. We know our purpose. We have the power for that purpose. The Bible says when you become a witness, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. We're empowered for the work of the church. We already have the power. So evidently we need a reminder in the church today. Well, I believe that's what we have in these chapters. 
Yes, we know the leader. Yes, we have the power. Yes, we already know the mission. We need a reminder to, to, to bring it back to our forefront in the church today. Let me tell you, these verses are powerful. In fact, this entire book is very powerful. These verses, just the section I read today, they are loaded verses. There, there are days worth of study in these verses. In fact, I want to tell you, I believe we could spend years studying this one book. For our verses today, I want us to be reminded of four things to start with. Four things that is going to, to have to happen in the church. Four things that need to happen in the church in order for us to stand as the beacon of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In order for us to bear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Four things that are going to have to happen in these dark days. And I believe these last days for the church to exist as God has intended. Now, let me start off this morning. We're going, to, we're going to start off with a little bit of context. At the point of our verses today, Nero, the Roman emperor, has persecuted Christians. He has incited persecution. He, he has encouraged persecution against believers. Domitian is now the new Roman emperor, and he starts the official persecution of Christianity. They are now deemed an illegal religion. Judaism, well, they didn't like it, but they counted it as a legal religion. Well, now in the, the rule of Domitian, Christianity is deemed as an illegal religion. He actually says, feed them all to the lions. And that's the, now the official view of the government. And so we find today the church is in intense persecution. The church of, of Jesus Christ, it's an intense persecution. Not only that, the environment is growing. There's a groundswell that's happening and further persecution is looming, is looking them in the face. Also at this time, and it seems to happen this way, they are under the constant threat of false teachers. There were those that would enter in and try to lead them astray and they would, they would use parts of their words and they would use part of their truth and they would try to lead them into falsehood and lead them away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Understand that's what a false teacher does. Well, under the, the attack that's going on, now there are these that are springing up in the church trying to lead the church astray. Now also think about the, the perspective that they're holding there in the church at this time. At the writing of this, there has now been many years that have come and gone since Jesus ascended to heaven. And I wonder what that's like, that it's been a few years and we remembered, some of us can tell the stories and maybe we would meet in the church and some of them would say, yes, I was there on that day and I saw the resurrected Lord Jesus and this is what he said to us and he gave us this commission Maybe some of them were there and said, you know, we went back to an upper room and we received the power of the Holy Spirit. And then let me tell you all the, the tremendous things that we've seen. But now it has been some years since Jesus had ascended. In fact, all the other apostles were dead. Those great leaders had all passed on. And there are hard times in the church. And in these hard times, with all of these pressures, with all of these things going on, the church itself had entered into error. In, this, in these dark times, the church, under this cloud of things that were looming, they had begun, and some of them had entirely lost their power. 
The church was no longer a powerful influence. In these times, with all that was going on, the church was now in, in danger of losing its purpose. And they were losing their mission. And it was a dark time in the existence of the church. Much like today. Look around today. Churches have lost their power. Look around today. Churches have lost their purpose. I always laugh and I'll watch there'll be a new preacher go somewhere and they'll, they'll get a committee together and they'll survey the, the community. What does the community want in the church? Or, or they'll survey the church. What does the church want to be as the church? They don't even know their purpose. And I'll just tell you, there's a lack of leadership in the church today. There's a void of true God-called leaders in the church today. And there are dark days in the church today. Once a, a beacon of the good news, once you knew where to turn and you could tell where we're going to hear about Jesus Christ, these are dark days in the church today. And now, just like then, Jesus then speaks to the church. In those dark days, Jesus makes this revelation to the apostle John. Again, in just our introduction today, I want us to see four things that the church is going to have to be. The first one is this. The first one is this. If we're going to be the beacon of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be the church that he's called us to be, the first one is this. The church is going to have to be realistic. The church is going to have to be realistic. I want to read verse 9 again. I, John, your brother... And fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. It starts off and it says, I, John. It's talking about the apostle John here. He's close to, to 90 years old. If he wasn't just a little bit higher than, older than 90 years he says, I, John, this old apostle, he says, your brother, I, John, your brother. Understand, in, in faith in Christ, we are children of God. John wrote, he actually wrote in his gospel, John chapter 1, verse 12, but as, as many as to believe, he gave the right to become children of God. So as, as believers, we are children of God. Well, if we are believers and we're, and we're children of God, our relationship to one another would then be brothers and sisters in Christ. We are together children of God, and so we're related to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That is our relationship. I think we might need to be reminded of that. Think about your relationship with your brothers and sisters. Kind of an interesting relationship. You know, there's times you don't get along. There's times they think you're crazy. There's times that you may disagree, but they're still your brother, and they're still your sister. You know what, we have a common bond and it outruns the things of the world. We, we are brothers and sisters. Listen, that's what we're supposed to be in the church. We are brothers and sisters. So he's, he's talking here to believers. He's talking to followers of Jesus Christ. I, John, your brother. Then he says this, and fellow partaker, and fellow partaker. It's, it's an interesting phrase there. In the original language, in the Greek, it means this. To hold in common. 
Your fellow partaker means that we hold in common. As believers, we hold these things in common. We take and we partake of these things together. We hold these things in common, and then it gives us a list. As believers, these are the things that we hold in common. He says, tribulation. It means suffering and great trouble. Not petty troubles, but great trouble. We hold suffering and great trouble in common. He says the kingdom, talking about the things of kingdom. We have, we have in Christ eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with God, the things of the kingdom. We hold that in common. And then he says the word endurance. In the original language, in Greek, it is a word that means patience. And it literally translates this, to remain under. Now see the picture of that. As followers of Jesus Christ, these are the things that we have in common. These are the things that we hold together. We have patience in common. It means as Christians, we exist waiting. As Christians, we exist enduring. That's, that's what we do. We are waiting under tribulation. Now see what he's saying here. See this. John says, as believers... We share these things. We hold these things in common. The kingdom, tribulation, suffering, and enduring, waiting, existing in that state of suffering. For those who commit to Jesus Christ, those are the things that are the sure reality. You share the kingdom of God, the truth of the kingdom. You, you share tribulation, and you sure share the enduring of that tribulation. Those things are the reality for believers. Listen, for the church today to stand up and for the church today to move forward and for the church today to exist as God intends in such a hard time, we have to be realistic. We have to tell folks, you know what, this is our fate as believers. This is our reality of believers. Acts chapter 14 says, and we will enter through many tribulations. The translation there in, in Acts 14 means evils that will befall. As Christians, we're going to have many evils that befall us. That's our fate as the church. That is our reality of the church. That is who we are as believers. There's going to be tribulations and troubles and sufferings, and we're going to have to endure underneath those things until Jesus comes again. Well, dadgum, I don't like that. I don't. I don't like that. That's, that's what the Bible says. Let me, let me tell you, I, I wish I could promise you something more. I wish I could promise you something else. I wish I could say, oh, you're going to get the, the job of your dreams and your relationships are going to get better and you're going to smile every day. I wish I could promise you something else. But listen, this is the biblical Christ-given truth. We must be realistic. Because if we're not realistic, when the pressures come, when the hardships come, we're going to be surprised. You know what? I never saw that coming. You know what? I didn't think that would ever happen. On Facebook, there's a video clip that I've been seeing the last three or four weeks. And I don't know how it gets on there, but it's on there. Of a guy... And his name's Bobby Schuler. 
He is the grandson of, of Robert Schuller at the Crystal Cathedral. You can watch his clip. I'm not going to say anything that's not on the clip, but I'm going to tell you, he, in, in his clip there, he's preaching from his new book. He actually starts his sermon series by saying, I'm starting a new sermon series. I'm going to preach through my book. I thought maybe I should mail him a Bible. <laughs> he starts every sermon, and maybe you've seen this. He starts every sermon, and he has his church stand up, and he says, hold your hands like this. This is a sign of receiving. And then he says this. I am not what I do. I am not what others say. I am the beloved of God. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. And blah, blah, blah. I'll spare you the rest. I wonder about his church. And it's packed. I wonder about his church. I wonder if he ever came in one day and said, hold out your hands like this. It's a sign of receiving. And into those hands are going to be poured trouble and trials and tribulation. No different than our Lord Jesus suffered himself. Into your hands there's going to be suffering and you're going to endure it. I wonder what would become of that church. You see, we have to be realistic as followers of Jesus Christ. He rides into the dark times. Let me tell you, this is what to expect as a follower of Jesus Christ. We have to be realistic in the church today. I pray for that church. I pray that the beacon of truth somehow is going to get in that church. I pray that those believers that are hearing the name Jesus are going to understand that coming with that name are suffering in trials and tribulations and troubles. We have to be realistic if we're ever going to stand in the church in hard times. Second thing is this. We have to be resolved. We have to be resolved. Let's go back to verse 9. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker of the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, I want to explain this. Patmos was a Roman prison work island. I always, as a kid growing up here, well, he's exiled to an island. Well, I grew up up here in West Texas. I always thought, well, that sounds like a pretty nice thing. Go to an island. No, it wasn't an enjoyable island. It was, it was a work island. It was a prison island. There are Roman guards on the island. There are whips there on the island. There is, is, there's harsh treatment and labor there on the island. There's not enough food on the island. He's not an, on a vacation island. He is exiled to a prison island under the authority of the Roman government. Now here's the question. Here's this old apostle John, 90 years old, here being harshly treated on this island. The question is why? What crime had he done? Did he steal something from somebody? What crime had he done? What did he do to end up in this harsh environment on this island? It actually answers in the verse. It says this. Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I'm going to jump back to chapter 1, the end of the first verse. And then the second verse. Listen to this. To his Jesus's bondservant John. 
his bondservant John. Slave is what that means. To his slave John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. His slave John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. This was a man who put his hand to the plow and didn't turn back. This is a man who his life, the toil of his life, the endeavor of his life was to testify to the word of God, was to testify to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what this apostle John did with his days. He endured, he persevered, but he always spoke the truth of God's word and pointed out the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life And make make no mistake here, the words of his life, the words of his life declared, I am a witness. I am a witness. I know, I am sure that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. John chapter one, verse one. The witness of his life was, I know and I am sure that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Glory is only begotten from the Father, full of grace and of truth. John chapter one, verse 14. The testimony of his life was, I know and I'm sure. I'm a witness for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John chapter three, verse 16. The testimony of his life was, I know and I'm sure that Jesus is my Lord and that he is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through him. John chapter 14, verse six. I know and I'm sure as I've lived these days, the testimony of my life is he is the resurrection and the life and he who believes in him will live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in him will never die. Do you believe this? John chapter 11, 25 and 26. The testimony of his life was that he knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God who went to the cross and he could say, I saw him that day and I heard the hammer as it fell that day and I saw him hang on that cross in agony. I saw his blood as it dripped out of his body. I saw him die there on that cross and we were there and I pulled him off the cross. We, We tore him through the nails. He was dead and we wrapped him in the clothes of a grave. We put him in a grave. My heart was was broken, crushed, even to the core. That's his testimony. But he couldn't end there. But three days later on the first day of the week, he ran to the tomb and he got there and he saw that it was empty and his own ears heard the angel say, he is not here, he is risen. And the testimony of his life was, I know and I'm sure that he is alive. And John gives his own life as a testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ, as a testimony to his king, Jesus. He was resolved. John chapter 21, verse 24 says this. This is the disciple who is testifying to these things, and we know that his testimony is true. John was resolved. Church, listen today. We had better be realistic. 
We better understand this is the truth of who we are as believers when we speak the truth. It's not going to be loved by the world. We better say we better be realistic in that. But hear me as well. We better be resolved. You see, the biblical truth is the Word of God, the Bible, and the testimony of Jesus are not going to make you popular. And they're not going to make you accepted. And in the church today, if we are seeking, if our goal today is the acclaim of the world, is the acceptance of the world, if our goal today in our church is the notoriety of the world, if that is our goal in the church, then we're going to have to to set aside, we're going to have to gloss over, and we're going to have to abandon the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. If you want your church to be accepted today, if you want your church to be embraced today, you're going to have to do what that guy does and set aside the name of Jesus Christ. But if in a dark and lost and dying world, if you want to see a revival in the church today, if you want to see a renewal in the church today, if you want to see a resurgence in the church today, if you want to see a returning to the word of God today, it will be when a resolved people again declare the name of Jesus Christ. We must be resolved. We're going to stop there today. We're halfway through the introduction. That's all right. You don't have anywhere to be next week. You need to be back here anyway. Listen. Our world needs Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. The hope of this world is not in our government. It's not going to be in a policy. The hope in in this world is not some program that's going to be leased. Our world needs Jesus. They're dying apart from Jesus. Look at the the stuff in our own town. They're dying apart from Jesus. They're perishing apart from Jesus. They're they're suffering. Their hearts are broken apart from Jesus. They're hurting. Their Their little kids are growing up and they don't know who to trust and who to turn to. And their marriages are breaking apart and they're going around and their hearts are wounded. More than that, they're out of fellowship with a living God and they're perishing. Our world needs Jesus. And listen, the hope is that there will be a church that would proclaim the name of Jesus. Nobody else is gonna do it. Nobody else is gonna rise up. The world needs Jesus and the world needs a church that'll spring up and proclaim the name of Jesus. Let us be that church. We can talk about it. We can cry about it. We can bemoan it. We can post on on social media or we can be that church. Let us be that church. The world needs Jesus. The world needs a church that will proclaim Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. I'm thankful for really the the truth of your word, the depth of your word, the timeliness of your word, 
for the conviction and the leading of your word. And I pray as we exist today in a time when, when wickedness seems to grow and darkness seems to spread, in a time when the, the heaviness seems to be too much, that you speak a message to your church, that you tell us what we have to be and what we have to do and what we have to shed and what we have to embrace to be that church. Lord, I pray that Calvary Baptist Church right here would be that type of church. I pray that we'd be focused upon Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we would be instructed by, that we would hold high and embrace the truth of God's word, not shrink back from it. I pray that we would be a people, a loving people, that we would go and in love, we would speak the truth that there is hope in Jesus, that the, 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 the truth is there is salvation in Jesus Christ, that we have our Savior. And I pray that you would take messed up people like us and you would use us for the glory of your name exceedingly abundantly, more than we would ask or think that you would be glorified in your church. I pray for some now that do not know Christ. I pray that today they'd put their faith in our Lord and Savior. I pray that today in the conviction of, in the drawing of your spirit, the preaching of your word, the, the explanation of your gospel, that today will be the day that they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Move in their hearts, Lord. And I pray that in this event, in this hour, you've been glorified. We love you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.